Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I'll tell you the gospel is ready to go forth. So here's the question is, what are you going to do? See, we've been talking about being marked. And for, and, and it's like I told the board, technically, for the last two months, we've kind of had two different series, but last month and this month, we've done a series really just about talking about you being involved in ministry, involved in work, and that no one is called to set do nothing. We've all been called to do something, and so what are you being called to do, and what is God asking of you? And so each week, we've been talking about that as we've been marked. This week, we're going to talk about marked to serve. You've been marked for a purpose and that is to serve. God is wanting to use people, and so we are ready. We're primed and ready. The only thing we're missing right now for ministry is more workers. It's true. We started this off with this idea that, that the, the harvest is ready. The harvest is not the problem. In fact, I would dare to say the harvest has never been the problem. It's, it's the harvesters. They're few. There's not enough. There's not enough going out. There's not enough willing to do the work that it takes to see things done. You know, you've got, if you're going to see people come to know Jesus Christ, you're going to see people come to get saved, it's going to require a W-O-R-K. It's going to require work. It's going to require uh, tenacity, the ability to stick to it. It's going to require people getting involved and getting discipled. Because what good is it if you go out if you're not being replenished? So we want you to get discipled. We want you to get connected into a life group and get discipled yourself. And so we're working through new ways. In fact, our kids' ministry is going to be updating more and more and more as we're opening up uh, girls' ministry and uh, some other programs getting ready to start back up because we're ready to disciple kids. We're ready to disciple students. And adult discipleship is already going on through life groups. We need you plugged in, getting fed so that you are ready to do what God has called you to do. You know, you can't pour from an empty vessel. You know? You ever been that last person at the table where they go around and they're pouring everybody else's sweet tea and they get to you and say, oh, we're out, I'll be right back, and then they don't come back for 20 minutes? That happens to me a lot. <laughs> he's like, he's a nice guy, he'll understand. <laughs> I do, but I, it's just tough. In Mark chapter 10, we're going to be there and we're going to settle in there today, but as we're diving in here, let me just tell you, we serve the greatest leader of all times. I'm telling you, the greatest leader of all times was Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came onto this earth, he spent three years building his brand and opened up franchises around the world, and we're part of one. And so one of the biggest things that he ever did, he did it just by this idea of coming to do one thing, and that's to serve. In fact, what we're going to deal with today is one day, Jesus was with the apostles, and as he was sitting around the apostles, they began to uh, talk about who was going to be higher up on the organizational chart, who was going to be top, who was going to be second, who was going to be third, you know, where we're going to stand, who's been with you longer, who do you like more, who do you not like more, all this stuff. And it, it began to build tension, and so Jesus begins to call for a, a, a he calls for one of them awesome come to Jesus meetings, really, because he was there, but... Uh, well, we're going to talk about this, so let's sit down, let's have a chat, uh, and, and he has a unique approach to leadership that we're going to talk about today, but it's perfect because as we're leading right now, because this is Palm Sunday, and as we're leading into next week, which is Easter, I'm telling you that this is the perfect message for what God has for us today. 
And in Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 32, he says it this way. He says, they were now on their way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And the disciples were filled with awe of the people following behind them and over, uh, were overwhelmed with fear, which is just a unique conversation in itself. Uh, Jesus is leading ahead. The disciples are like, man, look at all these people following us. And, they're, and the people are following him. It says, I just thought that's a unique thing. They're following in awe and fear. <laughs> they're, they're in awe of everything. This guy does miracles, and he casts out demons, but... This guy does miracles, and he casts out demons, you know. <laughs> Do you trust him? Do you not trust him? So they're following behind him. And so Jesus is talking to the 12 disciples, and he takes them aside. And Jesus says once more, began to, and he begins to describe everything that's about to happen to him. We are in Palm Sunday where we're looking to Easter. We know what happens. We know that we're talking about Jesus comes through an unbelievable trial, uh, found guilty of nothing. <laughs> but yet he was the one that was chosen to be flogged. We know that he was the one that took stripes on his back. We know that he was the one that his beard was plucked out. We know that he was the one that was, that, 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 that after they'd done all they can, they decided to crucify him and hang him on a tree and have him to die. We know this because we know how history turns out. But before that, Jesus warned them over and over and over again the end times. And this is one of the times where he pulls the 12 aside and he says, here's what's about to happen. He says, listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, and why Jesus talks in third person a lot, I don't know. <laughs> but he's talking about himself and he says, the Son of Man will be betrayed. And the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, <laughs> they will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. He's basically saying, guys, listen, I just want to remind you one more time. It's getting closer. And as we get closer to what's about to happen, I don't want, I don't, just like we're trying to be clear about a pandemic and what's going on and what our steps we're taking, uh, Jesus is trying to be as clear as he can. Listen, I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. I don't want you to think that this is going to be easy because what's about to happen is I'm about to be betrayed by one of you. And as I'm being betrayed by one of you, here's what's going to happen. They're going to take me up and they're going to want to kill me. They're going to hand me over to die to the leading priest. Verse 34, they will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. And after three days, he'll rise again. Can you imagine? Listen, I... I you guys have got to be clear. I'm going to tell you. I've already told you this once. I'm telling you again. One more time. I'm going to, I'm going to be betrayed. It's going to happen pretty soon here. When, when, when Judas walked out of the room of his betrayal, it, it's always amazing to me that people were like, <gasps> because Jesus told him this. This was not something that they should have been caught off guard with. The problem is, is that like, the, the, like us, the disciples many times get caught up on what matters most to them in that moment. See, we have a habit of dealing with problems when they affect us, but as long as they don't affect us, it's someone else's problem. Oh, I can prove it just from this last year. This last year has been a great uh, sermon teaching, which will go on for years and years and years. In fact, the sermon illustrations that have come out of this last year will probably last well beyond uh, what any of us want to hear. But the reality is, is that, isn't it funny how the pandemic didn't matter, until, or corona didn't matter until it hit your family? Corona didn't matter to a lot of people until someone they knew and loved died. 
Corona wasn't a big deal until it affected you personally. We're like that. That's our human nature. Our human nature is to dig in deep, don't let anything bother us unless it affects us personally. And so Jesus is trying to tell them, this is a big deal. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be let die. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be sped upon. I'm going to be thrown in jail. I'm going to be whipped with a, I'm going to be flogged with a whip. Then they're going to kill me. But don't worry because if you're listening to what I'm telling you, in three days I'm going to rise again. And here's the reply of the disciples in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over to speak with him. Teacher, they said, we want to ask you to do us a favor. <laughs> Just let you finish this. Listen, we're sorry about all this mock killing and betrayal stuff. You know, that's terrible. Uh, but can I just ask you something off subject real quick? Can I just ask you something that really we're not talking about, just off topic? Just, I just had this idea. And, and, and if, if you're okay with that, let me just ask you this. Uh, Jesus just probably frustrated. He says, sure, what's your request? Although he knows. Verse 37, he says, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in a place of honor next to you, one on your right and one and the other on your left. Isn't that Unbelievable. I want you to think about how unbelievable the situation is. The, the closest people to Jesus on earth at that time, he is telling them how bad things are going to get, how terrible it's going to get. It's going to get frustrated. And they're like, oh, that's terrible. So listen, I was thinking, should we go out for ice cream afterwards or Mexican food? I was thinking, how's this going to affect me? Listen, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah, that's going to be terrible. But after that happens, where do you see me in life? I mean, I just don't know. I mean, that's terrible, but I'm, I'm really I'm kind of worried about, you know, should I stay in this structure? Am I on the right plan? Should I do it? Am I following your will? I just th can't get over this. And then I think about life, and this is the way we are. Why is it so hard to get people to serve? Because why? Because it doesn't affect me until it affects my kids. And then I wonder, why is nobody teaching my kids? Why is nobody discipling my kids? Do you know when most people care, care about the nursery? You got it. When they have a kid going in the nursery. Do you know when people stop caring about the nursery? <laughs> when they don't have a kid in the nursery. <laughs> Do you know when you care about a cry room? When you need one. You know when you care about a feeding room? When you need one. When we get to our kids, when do we care about great discipleship for our, for our kids, kindergarten through fifth grade? When do we care about that? When I have a kindergarten through fifth grade. Then we get older in life and we're like, well, that's great. I hope, listen, I love our church. And man, I hope they really find somebody there. When do we care about sixth grade through 12th grade? Well, we have a teenager and they're back talking to us. And we're like, can't they get some leaders to tell my kid to treat me better? On and on it goes. Whatever stage of life we are in, that's what we are most concerned about. The disciples were no different. They weren't facing anything. There was no great opposition. In fact, they were on a high, and Jesus is talking about a low that obviously doesn't look like it's about to hit. 
<laughs> they are on a high. People are following his teaching. They're hanging on every word Jesus speaks. Jesus is, is preaching to the crowd. He's preaching to everyone, and he's telling everybody, man, uh, and, and people are just soaking it up. They're following. In fact, they can't get enough that when he walks away, they just keep following. And the disciples are like, man, this is awesome. Woo! We're going to be rulers. We're going to be, we're going to be everything. Man, I can't wait to set this kingdom up. It's going to be so great. It's going to be awesome. Man, what do you think we're going to be? I, I'd like to be second in charge. I think I deserve to. I mean, we're the sons of thunder. Yeah. That's what they, I mean, this is the idea they get behind this. And Jesus tells them about the horrible thing. And they're like, that doesn't even seem real. Let's talk about what's happening right now. That's so far off in the future. That's so far off. We're not even going to be talking about it. Let's just find out this. Who's, who's going to be in charge? Because that's what I want to know. I mean, if you've ever had, I mean, here's, here's James and John. We want to be leaders. We want to help you run your kingdom. We want to be in charge. And if you've ever had that, parents, have you ever tried to tell your kids something real serious? And afterwards, they're like, that's cool. Can I go play a video game? I mean, you can tell them, you know, your grandmother has cancer and it's, we need to go see her. Okay, cool. Can I go play video games? You're like, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying to you. It, it's just about like that. Jesus was pouring out his heart. And, and so what does Jesus do? In the next few verses, 38 through 40, he literally turns to these, these James and John and he says, uh, I don't think you can handle it. I don't think you can handle me in charge. I don't think you're up for the task. I don't think you're up for what is about to happen. If you can't handle what I'm telling you and what I'm focusing on you, you're definitely not going to be able to handle other things. And while he's telling James and John what's going on, the disciples begin to listen in. And then they begin to chime in too. Verse 44, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John asked for, they were indignant. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to get this. They were not offended on Jesus' behalf. They were offended because they were left out of who was going to be in charge. They weren't offended that Jesus had just poured his heart out and that they had not listened to what Jesus said. Did you not hear what Jesus said? He's about to be betrayed, mocked, spit, all this bad things are about to happen. They weren't offended about, about them not listening. They were offended that they were left out of who's going to be in charge. They were offended that they missed the power grab. And this is shocking, but again, we've watched as people have become more concerned about how things affect me than how things affect other people. Let it sit for a minute. I am more concerned about how rules and regulations affect me than I am about how they affect you. I am more concerned about <laughs> how what happens and what's said up there affects me than I am about other people. In the church world, in those of us who are Christ followers, this should be so backwards. We should care about how other people are affected. This is not about giving up your rights as Americans. This is not about that. This is not about pandemical laws that you agree or don't agree with. This is about how can I best put myself in a place to serve others. What is best for others above what's better for me? 
And we don't think like that. Which is why the harvest is ready, it's white to be picked, and the harvesters are few. Because it's going to affect me in a way I don't want to be affected. I'm not ready to give up my time. I'm not ready to give up my free time. I'm not ready to give up certain things. I'm not, re- I'm not willing to work that extra and go that extra mile on a Wednesday night to come teach. I'm not willing to come teach a life group. I'm not willing to attend because, I, not that I think I've learned everything, but I mean, what could people possibly teach me? <laughs> See, the problem is, is we're not willing to give up our our rights and invest the work that it takes to see the kingdom go forth. Which reflects a lot on us as Christ followers because this is not how Christ followers act. (laughs) Man, pastor. Listen, Easter's next week. It's the Super Bowl of the church. It's the greatest moment. Christ didn't die, he rose. That's what we concentrate on. And we're all excited to come and take pictures with our family. But let me ask you this. Who are you willing to bring with you? Who are you willing to go out and knock on doors and willing to bring with you? Today we had a board meeting before church. And one of the things I was asking about is our van ministry. And we were talking about our van ministry. Will ever get up and running? And, And I said, you know what? I'd like to do van ministry. I just don't want to do van Uber for kids. What do you mean, Pastor Brian? It's very simple. When I got here, we had a van ministry. People, our van ministers, man, they were awesome. They knocked on doors. They, they visited. They checked on kids. It wasn't just teachers in classrooms. They were going and they were ministers. They were ministers on that van. They built relationships with those kids in between the journey of getting them to church and taking them home. We don't need just Uber kids, just pick you up, drop you off, don't care nothing about you. <laughs> that doesn't build anything. You want to build the kingdom? Build relationships with kids. The, the conversations that happen on that van in the 15 to 30 minutes it takes to get them here is, 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 is eternal in meaning. Here's the question. Are we more concerned about our position in society than we are with what Jesus has been trying to tell us all along? So a fight breaks out of the organizational chart, and Jesus calls a timeout, and he brings them together, and in verse 42, he begins to tell them what it's going to look like. So James called them together, or I'm sorry, Jesus called them together, and Jesus said this, he said, you know the rulers of this world, how they lord over their people, and how the officials flaunt their authority, and over, uh, over those under them? The Greek term here is actually how they abuse their authority, or misuse their authority, Verse 43, but among you, it'll be different. Why has it got to be different? Sounds pretty good to me. Put me in charge. Finally, I'm no longer the underdog. I'm the one who gets to make the decisions. I get to tell people what to do. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Here's the difference. Let me just say this, is that whether in official capacity or an unofficial capacity, if you have influence over someone, you are to leverage it with the benefit of others in mind. He goes on to say, whoever wants to be a leader or be great among you, my followers, must be 
a servant. You want to be great? You want to do great things? Be a servant. Ministry never starts on a platform. It just doesn't. We like to see people up here and say, man, that is so cool. That worship team. I, you know what I found out? Getting on the stage doesn't make me a great singer. <laughs> Morgan tells me all the time, Pastor Brian, just let us do it. <laughs> She's not wrong, but it hurts. But anyway, I learned my, I learned my role. You know where ministry starts? It starts, it starts in the low place. When Sonny and I first started in ministry, we didn't have a title. We went around. I, after, after dinners, I would be the one to go take a big trash can, roll around, throw things away. I would do that. We'd clean church. We'd help clean church. In fact, when I was a youth pastor, I took a dual role. On my first church service, I was the janitor and the youth pastor. And then Sonner took a volunteer role as the kids pastor for a short term. Very short, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. I have plunged toilets in suits, and I have three-piece suits, you know, double-breasted suits. Uh, I've done it all because ministry starts other places. In fact, very little of the ministry is ever done on the platform. Ministry is done where people are. That's why Jesus was always out serving. You see, what we're going to find is many times when Jesus could have reached for a title, he reached for a towel. He was always about how can I serve, what can I do, who, 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 needs, who needs to be ministered, who's calling out, what can I do for you today? It's a powerful thing. Verse 44, he says, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. What? That doesn't seem right to me. Worked all my life, done everything else, and now I've got to be a slave to everyone else? That seems terrible. But if you want to be great, you want to be great among everyone, then what you've got to do is you've got to learn to serve everyone, be a slave to everyone. What can I do to serve those? What does that mean? If I have influence, what can I do best to use my influence to help you? If you are a leader, a boss, how are you leveraging your influence? Do you do it for the benefit of your employees? Do you do it for the benefit of yourself? How do you leverage your influence? I've been in the boardrooms where Pastor Thrasher passed up a raise so that the rest of the staff could get a raise. Why? Leveraging your influence for the benefit of others. When's the last time that you looked at the opportunity and said, here's my influence, here's what I have. I want to use it for the benefit of others. Uh, maybe I don't have, maybe I'm not the boss, but you know what, I have energy, and I have a neighbor who can't get around very much, but I can help that neighbor. I can help that, 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 that widow. I can help that elderly. I can help that, that, that handicapped. I can help that person next to me that can't do for themselves. How can I serve those and show Christ in the best way? I don't see Vic here today, but you know what Vic does? Vic, 90 years old, still mows his neighbor's yards. <laughs> That's why he's our deacon emeritus. This guy serves even when he's not Lord. He's going and serving those around him and doing what he can and leveraging his influence and his ability to anyone he can. We are to leverage our influence for the benefit of those under our authority and who we can help. There's a book called Good to the Great by Jim Collins. It's a very popular book. Read it uh, several years ago, uh, and it's been recommended by just about every leader I've ever served under. 
And in that, he admits the common denominator for business leaders that lead great companies, he assumed would be charisma. But what he found and he discovered over and over was the case was humility. Level five leaders, he writes this in his book, embody a paradox mix of personal humility and professional will. They are ambitious to, uh, for, to be for sure, but ambitious first and foremost for the company, not themselves. Humility. Serving others. So what does it look like in the real world? Here, here's some stuff I want you to think about. The very first thing I want you to, to, to think about, the first application is, if you're going to ask yourself as a question as a leader is, what can I do to help? It should be the first thing we ask. In fact, if you're a leader in this church, when you have people come on, instead of getting frustrated and you see them falling apart, instead of getting mad saying they never show up on time, they never do what they've asked. We've, they, we've asked them time and time and time and again. They don't come prepared. The very first thing we should do is, what can I do to help? What's going on? What can I do to make your life easier? What can I do to serve? What can I do? Can I get your papers ready for you ahead of time? Can I, what can I do to serve? How can I help? In the real world, this seems so backwards because people don't go out of their way to help you. They go out of their way to step over you to help themselves. There are people in your life that would pass out if you asked them how you could help. The power you have, the more power you have, the more you can help. In fact, the second thing you can do is look for opportunities to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I was listening to a podcast by Andy Stanley one time, and uh, it was his leadership podcast, and this is a concept he said. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I thought, okay, <laughs> tell me more. And so he goes into, he goes, you know, sometimes he would not go to the hospital because he couldn't visit everybody in the hospital, so therefore nobody got visited. But then he said, you know, I figured out that if I could just go and visit the one or two people that I could visit, I may not be able to visit everyone, but it'll matter to those one or two. So here's the deal. He said, I would, I would give up doing any ministry at all in that area because I couldn't do it all at one time. So he says, do for the one or two, but you can't do for everyone. To me, that, that resonated because there were times where I couldn't call everybody. So I wouldn't call anybody. Or I couldn't visit everybody, so I wouldn't go visit anybody. And then it just started making sense. Do for the one what you can't do for everyone. As leaders, we have got to do what we can, stretching out, getting out of our way, and ministering and doing whatever we can to share and spread the gospel. Don't live or work for your glory. That's too small a thing. Don't live or work for the glory of one whose name uh, is just around you. Live and work for the one whose name is above every name. Follow the greatest leader that ever was. In fact, if you go to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, this is what Jesus says. He says, for even the Son of Man, even I, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, this is what I'm asking you to do, to serve. But he says, I've been leading this by example the whole time. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. How many of us, knowing the person that was about to betray us, knowing full well, would get down on your knees with a towel and wash their feet? 
How many of us staring from across with our hands stretched wide would look down and say, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing? How many of us would do and go above like Christ did? You see, leveraging what we have for the benefit of other people is exactly what Jesus did. It's what he commanded us to do. It's what great leaders do. And we've been marked to serve to do this. Next week's Easter. My desire. But bigger than that, Christ's desire for us in this place is that we would stop getting so caught up in us. How it affects me, how it affects what I want to do, all this stuff, and focus on this, what can I do to serve? I don't want to be so caught up that when God's trying to tell me things are about to happen and things are going to get rough, that I'm so caught up in what's going on around me and how it's going to affect me that I lose sight of the eternal for the immediate. I don't want to get so caught up in what's going to happen today that I lose sight for what he's trying to tell me to keep the eternal in mind. I never want us to be a church that loses the sight that we all need to rise to the occasion and step up and serve where God is called to serve. You're like, I don't know where to begin. That's what Growth Track's for. Now, I will tell you this. Because of Easter, we won't have Growth Track next week, but we are going to have a one-day on April 10th Growth Track that you can attend and get it all done in one day, or you can wait till May. And through that, you can discover your purpose. You can discover what you're serving. You can learn more about the church. You can join the church through it. But it's a place to start. But even bigger than that, don't let it just start here. Use it on your job, in your family. Let God use you wherever you are and serve him to the best of your ability. I'm going to ask everybody to stand in this place. As these challenges go forth every week, I realize it can weigh heavy. Some of you are like, man, you're really, <laughs> really tough on us, Pastor Brian. I'm tough because I feel like this year is a pivotal year for the kingdom of God. And not just this church, but churches in general will either rise to the occasion and reap a harvest or they will fall to the challenge and fall apart. And at the end of 2021, I want to say that our church rose to the occasion and reaped a harvest and not one that fell apart. It takes you. Many hands make a light load. Many hands make a I need you invested in what God is doing here. Let me pray over you. Give you a chance to let God search your heart. I'll let the team dismiss you in just a moment. Father, I just thank you. Lord, we have amazing people. Lord, everybody you brought in this building, God, whether they've been here 10 years or they've been here for 10 minutes, God, I believe we're not here by accident. You have called them for such a time as this and to use them. Because, Lord, these are not my words. These are your words. God, this is not what I'm calling them for. This is what you're calling them for, to serve. So, Lord, how can we go wrong with this? 
Lord, there's so many people out there lost and dying. Lord, I just pray that our hearts would reach out. That we would minister more than just with our words. We would minister with our actions. And Lord, that as these words are being spoken today, that people in their pew are hearing these words. And they're saying, I feel God's calling me to do this. I need to contact, I need to contact Pastor Taylor. I need to contact Miss Amy Wilson. I need to contact uh, Pastor Caleb. I need to contact one of these other areas. I need to help. I need to contact our men's ministry, our women's ministry, see what I can do to help. I need to step up because I believe God's calling me today. In Jesus' name, amen.